Hazy Podcast is brought to you by EK the DJ and Michael Reed. Join them each season as they discuss the adventures contained in various audiobooks. This season, they'll be providing reactionary commentary on the So I Got Hazed audiobook by Michael Reed. Chapter 24, Plotting Payback. December 8th, Day 3, Hell Week. The third day of Hell Week felt like a miserable punishment. It wasn't a nightmare, because nightmares end when you wake up. It felt like an inescapable prison. I was lucid, but numb, both physically and mentally. I wasn't completely broken, but I didn't have any energy left. I needed sleep, and my motivation level was in the red. I was running on fumes, and I knew the end was near. In the morning, John and I hid in our rooms, enjoying some time to ourselves. We ignored phone calls from everyone until Tony came knocking. We couldn't ignore poor Tony Touch, especially after he popped the peephole out of my door. He saw John and I huddled together hiding, and said, Come on, guys. The brothers are mad that you haven't been picking up, and are hiding. We all need to go to the chapter house. It's destroyed. How could that be possible? We were there this morning, and it's only the afternoon. How much damage could a few guys on cocaine really do? I asked. When we got there, Tony was right. The place looked like 500 people had partied in it. The brothers had gotten a keg, and had a few sorority girls over to party during the day. We were so tired, it felt like the mess couldn't be real. Before the brothers left for food, Zeke assigned us each a room to clean. When they left, we immediately sparked up some weed, but Tony didn't want any because he thought he may fall asleep if he did. John found a tap and started drinking out of the keg that was still half full. I mentally zoned out and felt like I cleaned the kitchen for hours. We were all cleaning like broken robots in slow motion. When Zeke came back, he was holding a few boxes of to-go food from various places, paid for by my pledge brothers and I. I told him I was done cleaning the kitchen. Big mistake. Zeke strolled through the kitchen, looking for anything I had missed cleaning. He opened up the fridge and told me that I didn't clean the inside of it well enough. Okay, so saying that you've cleaned the kitchen in a shitty fucking fraternity house that's been torn apart, that's it is an impossibility. There is no cleaning right. the kitchen unless you renovate the kitchen. All you can do is make visible improvements. Yes. Very frustrating. So there's not too much I can do at this point, and I know I'm about to get torn into. Yep. Zeke continued to walk around the kitchen. He directed me to scrub harder, dust higher and lower, and clean the entire kitchen again. He let me know what the score was. It was hell week and none of the tasks mattered. It was just a menial task to keep me awake, annoyed, and subservient to the fraternity brothers. I wanted my silk letters on a silver platter, so I scrubbed, dusted, and polished away like Cinderella. I was angry I had to keep cleaning the kitchen. My pledge brothers had it easier, because their rooms were practically empty with just hardwood. I was so desperately tired that I wallowed in self-pity and envy. I had countertops, cabinets, appliances, and other nooks and crannies to clean. I was scrubbing the microwave and falling asleep when I dropped the microwave plate. It woke me up right away, and I stood there shitting my pants. Everyone in the house could have easily heard the crash. What felt like a minute to me was probably mere seconds. As an adult, I still don't know where to get a replacement microwave plate. I would probably first look to Amazon, I suppose, and then Google it. But off the cuff, where would you get such a thing? 
I mean, nowadays, I would say, yeah, on Amazon, because I just bought like, you know, like a washing, a front loader washing machine has like that little latch that keeps the door closed. Yeah. Um, I have broken the front latch off my front loading washing machine like 87 times. And uh, I go about, I go on Amazon, I buy like four packs of them. <laughs> well, obviously they're going to break if they're selling them in four packs. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And apparently this is a very common piece that like breaks on washers in general, front loader washers in general. So there's got to be a lot of people that drop microwave plates on the floor. I got to imagine, man. But how do they hide them? Hmm. Let's find out. I reached down and grabbed the broken pieces. I picked up the small pile of glass and ran it outside. I was sure to open up the porch door very quietly so that nobody would hear. I looked for a good spot to stash the broken glass so it wouldn't be found. I threw some of the glass on someone else's lawn. I hid the other pieces in an outside trash can that was overflowing with garbage. I snuck back inside the kitchen and pretended nothing had happened. Zeke came downstairs and asked what the crash sound was. I told him I slammed the washing machine loudly. He said I was a bad liar, and he started looking around. He even looked in the garbage can, but he couldn't find whatever it was he thought I had broken. When Zeke gave up looking around, he told me to go clean Chippy and Eric's apartment. He said that after I cleaned their place, to go clean Callum's house too. I went to Chippy and Eric's to clean, but Tony had already cleaned it. Eric let me get high as fuck and then sent me over to Callum's house. When I got to Anders' house to clean, nobody was home. There was a glorious-looking lemon cake on his kitchen table that either he or his roommates had bought. I stole half of it, not even using a plate. I just shoveled it straight into my mouth with my bare hands. I was starving and devoured the delicious cake. Anders... I was like a savage, Eric, I'm telling you. I couldn't even help myself. I took like a little slice at first, and then I'm like, oh, nom, 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 nom cookie monster. Just it's just phenomenal. <laughs> and his roommates would never be able to prove who took it, and they'd ultimately blame one another. With a stomach full of cake, I finished cleaning the dishes and went back over to Eric and Chippy's house until sundown. When it started to get dark outside, we went over to the fraternity house once again. When the nighttime hazing started, there wasn't anything they could do to make us quit. They had used all their aces, and their hands were almost empty. All the hazes that they could think of, they had made us do already. The night started with the brothers making us take a cold shower in the fraternity house bathroom to wake up. The three of us crowded into the cold shower. The cold water was barely keeping us awake in our fatigued state. The brothers packed into the bathroom to yell at us. We could barely see them through the transparent shower curtain. All of them were trying to keep us awake, and Patrick O'Connor kept throwing Fruit Loops on us. Out of frustration, I scooped a bunch of cereal off of the floor of the bathtub, shoved it into my mouth, and spat over the shower curtain. The cereal splashed all over Patrick and Anders. Patrick O'Connor shouted at me. What are you doing, Strikes? Are you spitting at me? Do you have a fucking attitude? Do you think I can't haze you? I'm a brother too. I'm the reason you're here. I didn't respond to Patrick and remained quiet. Eventually, the brothers grew tired of making us cold and turning us into human cereal. We were told to get out of the shower and dry off. The three of us were given one face cloth to share and dry ourselves off with. While we dried ourselves off, the brothers congregated in the party room. They drank some liquor that O'Connor had brought over to the house. We tried to dry off, 
and then were sent to Jordan Jacobs' house. He was supposed to babysit and haze us for the rest of the evening. John, Tony, and I were still slightly wet when we got to Jordan's house. When he answered his door, he asked us why we were wet. He wouldn't let us in his house and made us stand outside to air dry. After 30 minutes of us awkwardly drying off and trying to sleep on the floor of his stairwell, Jordan came back outside. He made us run laps around the apartment complex until we woke up and dried off. Once he thought that we were dry enough, we were invited inside. When we got inside, we talked about James and how he got screwed by health and happenstance. It was mentally exhausting worrying about James's health on top of the stresses of Hell Week. Being hazed for a semester, coupled with sleep deprivation, had taken its toll on some of us more than others. We all took turns cleaning JJ's tiny apartment, and it didn't take long before it looked completely immaculate. We'd never seen the apartment look so pristine. When there wasn't anything left for us to do, or clean, the brothers let us sit down and watch TV with them. While we were watching SportsCenter, John kept nodding off. The poor guy couldn't keep his little peepers open at all. Jordan put a spoon inside John's open mouth each time John closed his eyes until he finally raged out. John screamed, I'm going to be back to fuck with you so hard when it's pledge paybacks. John's anger scared Jordan so much that he jumped an inch out of his seat. When Jordan remembered that he was supposed to be in control, he yelled back at John. You can't be sleeping, John, or that's it. John was pissed. He looked at me with his, I'm going to quit face. I shook my head no at him and said, we're almost there, buddy. After yelling at John and seeing how unresponsive we all were, Jordan set the spoon back down on his coffee table. We all laughed and went back to watching football highlights. Jordan left John alone and let him nap. It was somewhat frustrating for Tony and I, but relieving for John. He couldn't fight it anymore, and I shouldn't have been jealous at the guy for succumbing to sleep. A few minutes later, Trent Pereira came home and shouted at John Knowles for being asleep. Trent told Jordan that there was a sick party at the sweetheart house and invited him to come. Jordan and Trent started debating what they should do about supervising us. They agreed that they would each take shifts. Trent and Jordan each had to take turns leaving the apartment so that they could party at Patrick O'Connor in the sweetheart's house. When the brothers left us alone for a minute, we started plotting. We agreed that we were going to struggle through the evening and use pledge paybacks the next morning. After a few hours of the brothers trading places, they became ridiculously drunk and needed to pass out. This is when our plan went to shit and the tides turned on us. Jordan and Trent decided since they wanted to sleep, they'd send us over to LT's house. It looked like we wouldn't be starting pledge paybacks at Jordan's house. I still wonder if all the brothers thought that babysitting us was like a game of hot potato because we could call pledge paybacks at any time. Jordan called LT and said he was going to send us over. When he got off the phone, Jordan told us we had two minutes to run to LT's house. We sprinted out the door to appease Jordan, and once we were out of his line of sight, we started walking. There wasn't any point in racing towards another miserable situation. While we were walking to LT's house, we talked about Hell Night. We figured it would be on the Friday or Saturday of that week, since we couldn't use pledge paybacks on those days. When self-doubt kicked in, I wondered if I was destined to be a pledge forever and worried that I could be blackballed at the last minute. If any of us were blackballed, we'd have to watch our best friends get in. That's what my pledge brothers had become to me, 
my best friends. Even though I was mad at Tony for not pledging as hard as I had, I didn't want him to quit either. I wanted each of my pledge brothers to make it across the finish line with me. We all deserved to share the taste of freedom, wrapped in SIG-H letters. It was about 5 a.m. when we got to LT's house. When we walked in the back door, we could hear the TV blaring in the living room. LT was wide awake, watching TV with Lachlan. They were watching old movies and appeared to be coming down from a cocaine-fueled night. LT didn't seem mad at us for taking longer than two minutes to get to his house. As soon as we sat down on the carpet, LT said, What do you think you're doing? Go clean the house. There wasn't anything in the house to clean, so we puttered around the kitchen for a while. When LT came into the kitchen to get a beer, he told us to go outside and clean up the trash around the house. He grabbed two beers from his fridge and walked back to his living room. John, Tony, and I walked outside together to find trash. The sun was starting to come up, and the idea of pledge paybacks was at the forefront of our tired minds. Not a whole lot of commentary on this one, just because this is like a plot device almost. I was uh, waiting in anticipation the whole time. So I'm like, huh? Is it pledge paybacks? Is, is, is it now? Is, is it now? I assure and you that it is at the beginning of the next chapter. <laughs> so we get <laughs> sent to LT's house and we're so angry. Oh, the tension is rising. And you know what's like, I remember going through this too. I remember like, like when oh, I can't wait to call this. I can't wait to call this. And uh, it was, which brother was it? Um, Just an unfortunate brother. I remember who it was. I just don't remember the right name to use. I know I'm trying to help you. <laughs> So it was just an unfortunate um, brother. Unfortunate brother, yeah. Um, he we we he sent us to the Seven Eleven, and it was like you have to get her come back with a receipt. I went gum, and I want a receipt, and it has to say this time and whatever. And we went to the Seven Eleven, and uh, I called my roommate, and I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna come meet me at the Seven Eleven. I'm gonna give you a bunch of bags of ice. Go fill up the bathtub." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we went and got the truck. We went back to the house because, uh, you know, I had that truck back mm-hmm. then. And uh, we went back to the house and uh, it, he was like, where's my gum? And I was like, uh, you're coming with us. <laughs> <laughs> ain't no gum. <laughs> and we, we, we zip tied him and his hands and legs. Would have been uh, funny if you were eating the gum right here. That's where the gum <laughs> is. <laughs> we, we zip tied him uh, and, and threw him in the back of the truck. And, uh, and yeah, so, so the night began, (laughs) that was, that was the beginning of our pledge paybacks. Damn dude. uh, And Chippy and I got, uh, oh, I think most of the, uh, we got all of the graduating brothers. That's the best. Yeah. We got them all at once too, because they were all hanging out together. Uh, and they were very, you know what the thing is like. When you're graduating, when you know you're leaving, you, you kind of submit to it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, get get the get me with the pledge paper. One last hurrah before I go. Yeah, you can haze me before I go. Little pledge. And uh, I believe I I may even have video of that. Nice. You'll have to share that in our next episode. <laughs> yeah, that's nice.